Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sex Here and Now, the podcast dedicated to sex positivity and inclusivity. My name is Matt Lockman. I'm a licensed clinical therapist in Cleveland, Ohio, and I am back. <laughs> it has been a little bit of time since I have recorded a podcast, and my apologies. Uh, life has been hectic, and uh, I've just been prioritizing a lot of other endeavors from my YouTube channel where I do videos entitled Quickies with Matt. Check that out if you want to. You know, it's tough running your own private practice and, and trying to focus on so many projects at one time, uh, and especially someone like myself, I am extremely goal-oriented, meaning I am just impulsive and take on a lot of opportunities. So my goal in starting these podcasts again are just to sort of get back to doing what I love, which is talking about topics related to human sexuality and sort of busting the myths that are out there and providing as much education as I can. So that's why I thought this first episode back would be me talking about the top 10 myths that I think are out there regarding intimacy and relationships. So I recently completed a blog post about this same exact topic and I think it's important because when I'm sitting with clients or I'm talking with friends what I am doing is correcting a lot of miseducation that we have all learned uh, about sex, about relationships, an issue we all deal with. Shame sort of lives within us, and it can creep its ugly head from time to time. And when it comes to our relationships and what we think it means to be in one, a lot of what we learned can enhance some of this internal struggle that we feel. So I thought I would talk about 10 myths that I come across on a daily basis. I probably talk about these 10, you know, with every single client, um, trying to correct them. If not every single one of them, then I touch upon, you know, at least half of them probably every single week. So that's how prevalent these are. So because this is a sex and relationship podcast, there is a warning I just want to put out there for all of you new listeners. We will be talking about sex. We will be talking about various areas within relationships that cause issues for people. Words like orgasm and penetration and masturbation and all of that will be used uh, throughout this episode. So if that is not something that you can handle at this time, then I would encourage you to pause this episode and come back to it on a later date. But without further ado, let's sort of just dive on into some of these myths. So I think this first one that I talk about is the one that causes a lot of damage and a lot of harm. And that is that an orgasm is required by all members to have sex be considered a success. So I think one of the worst things that has ever happened to us as a society around sex is when we learned this fallacy that one must have an orgasm for sex to be considered completed and successful. And so while yes, orgasms can feel great for some people, not everyone can have one, 
right? And not everyone wants to have one. So what do we tell those people, the ones that don't want to have an orgasm or the ones that can't have orgasms? Do we just say, sorry, you've never had sex before because you haven't had an orgasm? Tough luck. I guess you're a virgin for the rest of your life. Have fun. The amount of pressure this notion has put on individuals of all genders has resulted in almost all of us experiencing a wide variety of sexual dysfunction. If we can spend more energy just focusing on being mindful and everyone just enjoying the overall experience instead of just paying attention to the orgasm, I'm pretty sure we can create an environment focused on pleasure instead of performance. Because remember, at the end of the day, sex is for you. It's not for anybody else. And sex is for fun. Sex is for pleasure. We want to enjoy it. So now that we got the orgasm out of the way, let's talk about another concept that I deal with on a daily basis when trying to fix some poor sex education that my clients have received. And that's the notion that penetration, uh, more importantly, penis and vagina penetration, is required for an action to be considered, quote unquote, sex. So when I'm meeting with a new client for the first time, I'm always curious to hear how they define sex. Most of my clients say something like, sex is going all the way and everything else is just foreplay. Don't get me started on the term foreplay. Maybe we'll discuss that in another episode. You can definitely check back on previous episodes because I know I've discussed my thoughts and feelings on that term. But while this is one definition of sex, I find that it can be restricting and problematic. You see, when we define sex as just penetration, we miss out and can rush through all of the fun stuff that happens before it. We also can discount it as well. When we think of the societal construct of virginity, it makes us feel like we are missing out on something unless we have penetrative sex. But we aren't. I define sex as an over-encompassing word to describe intimate actions taken by two or more people, whether it's inner course or outer course. You are having sex, so enjoy it. This next myth is one that I think is complicated for some people to understand. Uh, Emily Nagoski, the author of Come As You Are and a beautiful sex educator, talked about this in her book and so sex and relationship therapists tend to know this and clients tend to grasp this through some time but this myth talks about the fact that everyone has a desire to engage in sex and that is just simply not true right so Emily Nagoski pointed out in her work that sexual desire is not something innate within every human but instead a learned behavior that develops once we are born. This message, <laughs> in my opinion, should be shouted from the rooftops because people tend to think that if they have a low sex drive or nothing at all, that something is inherently wrong with them and that they are broken. Just like we can learn to ride a bike, we can also learn how to enhance the desire we have for more intimacy with our partners. Think of it as learning something new. Practice allows us to create insight, which then can lead to new behaviors. Myth four that I come across often is that spontaneity when it comes to sex is the goal. Ugh, 
I hate this so much. I hate that this is out there. I hate that when we watch movies, we just see people so freaking horny all of a sudden, and they're just like, let's bang. Let's just go and do it right now. It makes me so frustrated. So let's talk about what desire is. There are so many models out there, and I think one that really hits on this notion very well is the circular model of sexual desire. And so coming back to this, right, as humans, we can respond to cues that our partner is giving us. We all have excitatory receptors, or what Emily Nagoski would refer to as accelerators, and inhibitory receptors, which would be called breaks. And this drives desire. Spontaneity, although shown to be quite frequent in media and pop culture, can be extremely rare for some people to attain. Because of this, when sex and intimacy are not spontaneous, people feel like they have lost a spark and that they are doomed. This is quite the opposite. Spontaneity works on a completely opposite spectrum compared to responsive desire. And responsive desire is something all humans can tap into when it comes to arousal. So instead of focusing on trying to make something more spontaneous, focus more on figuring out what your accelerators and brakes are so that you can tell your partners what to do to help. Think of it like this. You're sitting on the couch with your partner and your partner turns to you and asks to have sex. If you aren't in the mood, society has taught you just to say no. But what I would encourage is you to stay in a neutral mindset. Stay there and think about, okay, well, what would get me in the mood to have sex? This could be anything from physical touching to words of affirmation to acts of service. So think about that for yourself. What are your accelerators so you can tell your partner, listen, if you want to have sex with me, I'm going to need you to start doing this because this gets me in the mood. And more importantly, what are your brakes? Because when we use the analogy of driving a car, when we push the gas, we accelerate slowly. But when we hit the brake, we can almost stop immediately. Myth five. All right, so this is one that is definitely dependent on the relationship, but one that I think all couples need to talk about and get on the same page with pretty quickly, because I think when people promote this sort of thinking, it is coming from a place of shame and insecurity. And so this myth, myth five, would be that masturbation is cheating. When you think about it, this is just purity culture at its finest, right? Self-stimulation, solo sex play, or masturbation, whatever you want to call it, is the process of engaging in sex with oneself. Individuals engage in this sort of behavior for several reasons. Stress reduction, feeling unwell, sleep aids, enjoyment. Hell, we talked about this in one of the first episodes of this podcast, but babies masturbate in the womb. Among some of the top reasons I'm a fan of masturbation is because it allows people to explore their bodies and their fantasies in a safe, controlled environment. There is a notion that if one masturbates, they are cheating on their partner. I see no reason why this would be the case. Usually, these individuals are dealing with their own insecurities or jealousies within the relationship, typically around sex, so they try to control their partner's actions. 
masturbation is one of the few ways we can be with ourselves in an intimate environment and we should not give that up for anyone all right doing a midway point check-in how are we feeling with this information (laughs) this is a lot of stuff people so if you're feeling triggered by this information i think that's good i think feeling uncomfortable is good because that means it's hitting something in our core and we should really think about it so moving on myth six attraction to other people goes away once you are in a relationship now i think this is one that hopefully is getting more and more attention and people are engaging with this sort of belief less and less this notion is one that i deal with often especially in cis hetero relationships again this comes back to some sort of fear and insecurity within us that says we must be the only one our partner is attracted or aroused by if not then something must be wrong i must be deficient in some way if my partner finds other people attractive it is strange to me that this concept exists in this world somehow people think attraction and desire are automatically turned off the moment we enter a relationship as if we have taken a potion that makes us only find our partner attractive. You do see how wild this notion is, right? This can lead to mistrust, miscommunication, and secrecy. Instead, focus on how you can take the attraction you may feel for other people and bring that energy into your current relationship. That is, if we're talking about a monogamous relationship. You, as a human on this planet, are a complex and dynamic person. You are allowed to have attraction to other individuals when you are in a monogamous relationship. That is healthy. That is normal. Myth seven. Ooh, this is going to be a fun one. Having sex on the first date is wrong. All right, how many people have turned off the podcast now? If shows like Sex in the City and Sex Education have taught us anything, it is that sex is not something we should be afraid of. Women, more specifically cis women, have been taught that no man is going to buy the cow if you give the milk away for free. God, I hate that analogy. I'm sorry I just said it. Anyways, outside of how comical that is, it also depicts the added pressure that women face as being keepers of sexuality within their relationship. For some reason, if you have sex on the first date, you are a whore, you are a slut, you are someone who just wants sex, you are not serious about a relationship, how dare you engage with your sexuality, you are a terrible person, you are a terrible woman, you are a bad representation, you are awful. When it comes to sex, All genders should engage with it whenever they want to when meeting someone new. Sexual compatibility has been pushed aside in favor of finding shared values and moral compatibility, among other compatibility factors. This is not a competition. Just like you want to be sure that the person you are dating shares your same love of hiking and binging Netflix shows, you want to be sure that you two are sexually compatible as well. I am bummed that I still have to say this in 2021, but there is nothing wrong with you if you enjoy sex and want to have it. All right, so pushing towards the back half of these myths, let's move on to this next one. You must push through the pain during penetrative sex. Ugh, this is another one that just makes me so uncomfortable. 
messaging surrounding pain in this world is a little clunky. When it comes to sports, we are taught to push through the pain by coaches and our parents, even though trainers and medical professionals say not to. We are then taught that if you like pain in any way, something must be defective with you. Think about liking BDSM play. I want to talk about pain during penetration. The answer is pretty simple. If you are feeling any intense pain during intimacy, stop. Your body is telling you that something is wrong and that it needs a break. What is key here is that intense pain is subjective and different for everyone. I tell my clients that there is a difference between feeling uncomfortable versus something hurting them. Do yourself a favor, and when you are noticing your body reacting, take a break and do some deep breathing. If the problem persists, stop penetrative sex and go back to focusing on outer course. Remember, going back to myth two, penetration is just overrated. All right, moving on to myth nine. And this is one that I spend my entire career trying to educate my clients and my friends on. This is the concept that you can't love more than one person at one time. So the battle between monogamy and consensual non-monogamy is a sad one to me, more specifically because there is no competition. These are two perfectly healthy relationship styles. But let's talk about why there is this battle a little bit. For one thing, people fight about this notion that you can't love more than one person at a time because it challenges our view of love. We are taught in this society that finding our one true love or soulmate is the thing to do. We grow up viewing Disney movies and television programs that talk about this as well. So we set out on this path of trying to find the one, and when we see others who are doing it differently than us, we shame them for it. If we truly want to look at the feelings of love, then we look at what chemicals get released. Research shows that a wide variety of chemicals are activated when we experience affection for other people. Oxytocin, acetylcholine, serotonin, to name a few. Yet we put these artificial guidelines in place to separate one kind of love from another, and it's ridiculous. At the end of the day, love is not a zero-sum game. We experience love with multiple different people each and every day whether it be with family members and friends or a significant other or others. So instead of shaming others who may love two significant others at the same time, ask yourself why you feel so threatened by that notion. And lastly, let's talk about being single. So myth 10, being single means you are defective. Let's wrap up this episode talking about how beautiful it is to be single in this world. Couples privilege or the benefits one gets when they are in a monogamous partnership is promoted heavily in our culture. You do not need to go very far to see this phenomenon in action. Think of all the messaging you received growing up about finding a partner and starting a family. People view relationships as a goal they must knock off their list. Because of this, individuals who are single feel like they are missing out on important milestones in a person's life. This then leads to them going into dating, trying to be liked by the other person instead of trying to find someone who will see them and know them for who they are. Being single is a perfectly healthy relationship style, and I've seen this promoted more and more recently, and it makes me so happy. Do me a favor, dear listener. Stop asking your friends or family members when they are going to get married. They do not like that question, and being in a relationship is just not for everyone. And that is okay.
Well, that is the end of this episode, dear friends and listeners. I'm so excited to be back. I'm hoping to put out more content like this, you know, a couple more episodes by the end of the year and then sort of diving into next year, just providing more sex education and sex positivity. Feel free to follow me on Instagram, TikTok. Yes, I do make TikTok videos (laughs) and Facebook at Cleveland Sex Therapy. I hope all of you have a phenomenal rest of your day. And remember, stay sex positive.